Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, Good morning, Fred. Terrific day. And earlier this month, we told you about a self-driving motorcycle that BMW has been working on for a couple of years now. Alan, you've linked to the pretty impressive video online, and we have a great guest joining us today to talk about the whole idea of motorcycle safety and technology. Probably fair to say he's trained more motorcycle riders than anyone else in the U.S. and around the world through his California Superbike School. Keith Code, thanks for being here with us. Well, thank you very much, Fred, for having me on, and it's great to speak with Alan again after 56 years. <laughs> uh, Keith and I went to high school together, and we haven't spoken in all those years. I mean, this is, like, amazing. We yeah, exchange we, we, emails and so on, but anyway, Keith, great having you. Well, thank you very much, Alan. Great, uh, it's great to be here, and, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Well, Keith, uh, for those who don't know, uh, you're a champion racer, author, educator, and professional coach, and have been researching really what goes into safe riding for decades on, on motorcycles. Your first impressions about what BMW is doing here? Uh, I think the, uh, yeah, the, the, the whole idea is uh, very interesting to me because uh, of the, the possibilities of uh, heading off at the pass, or at least uh, having some kind of intervention uh, systems on the motorcycles that will that would help the rider to understand uh, that, for example, com- coming up to a, a curve in the road, uh, single vehicle accidents and motorcycling being the top of the list these days. Uh, coming up to a curve, if we're if we had GPS, we could see the radius of the curve, we take a look at the, the rider, we put in a baseline of what the rider can do as far as leaning the motorcycle over, their, their basic abilities to, uh, to handle a curve of that size and what speed they might handle it. Uh, if, the, if there was a sort of a, uh, any kind of a haptic system on the vehicle, not, not something that would take them out of control of it, but a haptic system perhaps that would warn them that they're approaching this corner at a speed that's greater than their basic riding skills would uh, would really uh, allow them to negotiate it in safe fashion and uh, te- being at least technically correct about riding the riding through the curb i think this this kind of thing would be fantastic and the the bike that i saw the video i saw that bmw has created uh, it looks like it's at least one step in that direction. The the thing they could keep it in between the ditches, which <laughs> which was really good. Uh, how accurate the the vehicle is, how accurate the the um, accurately it could take a corner, size up a corner, uh, use uh, GPS and and, uh, and perhaps other systems to to understand what uh, what's coming up 
in the uh, in the near future. I think uh, I think it has some. It really definitely has some merit. But I assume the idea of a self-driving motorcycle to most bike riders would be ridiculous. They're not going to sit back and let the vehicle drive itself. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that that's uh, some of the comments that I saw uh, from the video from motorcycle riders. It was, you know, I mean, just silly emojis <laughs> on, on. No, I'm not getting on that bike. That would be. That would be like a uh, motorcycle rider. If you ask most mo motorcycle riders, would they ride on the back as a passenger? <laughs> they will tell you no. They are not interested in it, in it, under any circumstances because no matter what, the rider never does it exactly the same way that they would. But when you talk about a, a haptic system to, to alert a rider that uh, they need to make some changes going into a curve or change speed, you're talking about vibration uh, that they would feel similar to the way some steering wheels provide that in cars in certain situations. Yeah. Yeah, BMW's got that technology in, in many of their cars, for sure. Uh, they got a little vibration system. They, they have a lane. You know, they and, and other manufacturers have lane centering, et cetera. Um, you know, for a motorcycle, it has to be a little bit more uh, advanced than that. It has to be a little bit more, certainly a good deal more accurate as far as uh, basic cornering theory for a motorcycle. It's a little bit different than cars. But yes, uh, it, that, exactly right. Coming up to a curve. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought about it and that, well, okay. So we put the rider uh, through a little test course and uh, it, it gives a baseline on the rider's ability to, to uh, slow the bike, uh, his ba basic braking skills, uh, how far uh, the rider is comfortable leaning the motorcycle over because that's a big thing uh, for for many many riders. Uh, they're afraid of the lean angle, uh, rightfully so. You can overlean a motorcycle. There's no no doubt about that. But if we if we have a baseline in there uh, and we look at a curve, we can see the radius of the curve. We know what the what the rider can or cannot do. This would this would be a this would this would be huge. Uh, it would be it would be great, especially for for newer and intermediate riders, not necessarily for the you know really really experienced ones, but it would be it would be fantastic for for those who are you know, uh, coming along, understanding, getting experience riding riding the bikes. It would be great. Curious what your thoughts are about the idea of using sensors in cameras like we're seeing in, in smart driving cars today on, on bikes that might maybe you do get alerted uh, through a signal in your helmet, or a voice in your helmet to tell you that there's a, you know, a vehicle behind you so many feet away or coming up on the side, that kind of thing. Do you like that idea? Well, uh, I have seen helmets that have rear-facing cameras with a, a heads-up display on the on the face shield uh, alerting uh, alerting riders that there you know there's traffic and uh, could it could it be valuable yeah for sure it could be valuable um, the uh, it, well in Cal in California <laughs> it's uh, absolutely it's legal to split lanes on a motorcycle and, uh, Which is like crazy, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, 
Yes, it is. But I, I'm glad right. I just take Uber and lift in California and don't rent cars anymore because, my goodness, I'd kill 12 people. Well, for the motorcyclist, when you're on the 101 or the 5 or the 210 or whatever it is, and you can split lanes. It's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> sure. It is. I, I know. But my goodness, when they come up behind you and you and you didn't see them, you're employed. Um, um, you shudder. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, no amount of cameras or, or any other systems are, are going to change that. Right. Or, that's or right. That's right. You're, absolutely, that. you're absolutely correct on that. Yeah. And uh, and of course the uh, the. Uh, uh, blindside uh, cameras and so on that are now in cars that help a little bit, but they, they just come up on you maybe a little bit too fast. But I guess I don't know. Do you, te- do you teach them how to not come on you quite too fast? It's okay to pass, but not pass real fast. How, how do you teach them that, or what? what what's part of your? Uh, what, what's your stick on that? We don't teach it at all. It's. Oh. Uh, now that, that we're, now we're talking about uh, you know uh, taking your life in your own hand. <laughs> your own hand. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's not so, it's not something that you really can train. You know, right. uh, what you can do is give good advice on it and say, well, if you're going to split lanes, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 there are some visual basics that that you would want to be able to understand, and we do we do train the visual basics on it, but mm-hmm. we don't necessarily apply it to something like splitting lanes here in California. It's it's uh, it's it's not it, it, we don't we don't really uh, train people to how to ride around in traffic because it's it's, it's you don't difficult. advocate that, right? I guess. <laughs> You, back on the technology end, if, if if do you have a wish list of any technology you'd like to see on on a on a bike? Uh, you know, faster or something. I I don't know. I mean, maybe not even that. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you what happened with us and at the schools uh, up till uh, two thousand and nine. Uh, we track everything at the school, all the all the crashes, all the accidents. You know, we mm-hmm. we try to deconstruct them and figure out what the rider did, and talk to the rider, look at the scratch marks, and you know, I mean, we don't do a full accident investigation on it, but usually there's somebody out there who saw it, so that we have enough data. Mm-hmm. At, at any rate, up until 2010, uh, for the basically the first 30 years of the school, we used the 600 cc sport bikes that uh, Kawasaki made. CX six. In 2010, we shifted over to the BMW um, 1000 double R. They call it the S1000 double R. And the 600 bikes uh, make uh, about 100 horsepower. The the uh, 2010 uh, BMW S1000 double R made 193 horsepower. All right. So we're talking about a about with a rider about three and a half pounds uh, per horsepower, right? The, it would go 152 miles an hour in a quarter mile, zero to sixty, and you know something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now they the the bike was a real real benchmark, real actually a landmark uh, on on uh, electronics. It came with traction control. It came with ABS. 
Uh, and we, when we put our students on these bikes, you know, uh, and most of the people in the industry thought I was crazy uh, to, to put people on, you know, 193 horsepower motorcycles. But fact, factually, what happened right away was our crash rate went down by 40%. And the, it has stayed in that range a 40% improvement throughout the 10 years that we've been using that same model motorcycle. So with with the, the, the traction control, which has improved, and the ABS on the bike, which also has improved, uh, it's made a huge difference. It, it is, uh, it's, to us, it's been fantastic. Uh, so the, that technology, um, which um, BMW really has done, done a great job, I mean, they, they really, they really trumped everybody when they put the uh, when they put that bike out on the market. It was it was just head and shoulders above everything else. So we were very very happy to get it for for our training purposes. And uh, there, there's uh, elect electronics uh, that has made a huge difference. The amount of texting behind the wheel and and driver distraction in in cars has to be terrifying to to motorcycle riders as it is for bicycle riders. And uh, what are your thoughts about the new technology coming into cars, the sensors, the cameras, the automatic braking, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't? Uh, how, how, what are your thoughts about how that might help with safety for, for, for bike riders? I love the adaptive cruise control on my car. It Me too. Wonderful. I love it. It is fantastic. Uh, can 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 we do that on a motorcycle? Well, sure. Of course you could. Uh, and and I think in uh, in certain in some circumstances it would be very 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 valuable, uh, especially in traffic in traffic situations, and, and especially for for riders who were weak on their on their braking uh, braking techniques and braking tech. Uh, uh, experience. Um, it's very, it's very difficult on a motorcycle. It's quite, it's quite a bit different than a car. When you pull the brake on the front brake on uh, on a motorcycle and you pull it on hard, you can go, you can, you can get the rear wheel to come off the ground uh, unless you have ABS, and for sure you can flip it as well. And uh, uh, most riders are are pretty deathly afraid of of doing exactly that. And uh, when we do uh, when we've done our testing uh, on this, the average rider is willing to to break at uh, about 0 .5, 0 0.55, 0.6 G's, and uh, the the difference between that and a you know 0.9 or 0.95 G stop is quite a few feet, as as you could well imagine, uh, and it would be life saving, right and uh, Years ago, I realized that this was the case, and uh, in 1984, I built a bike without riggers on it, and um, the it was uh, there was no ABS back then on on the motorcycles we used, and what we uh, I developed a little training routine with it, and we uh, put put riders on the bike, uh, put them in a you know fairly large car park area or a skid pad, and uh, taught them how to brake hard enough to actually lock up the front wheel of the motorcycle and what technique to use to recover 
from from that and the the bike is basically uncrashable it won't fall over on either side and uh we've, we've been able to to increase riders ability to to break by by uh actually amazing amounts so um, tra training devices can can be done now what can we do that for um for the average guy put the average guy on a average motorcycle rider on a bike with abs and say you know what you can't walk up the front wheel on this thing uh and it won't you know it, it, it'll activate before the rear wheel comes off the ground and they're still they still will only break at about 0.5 or 0.6 g's which is you know um not not good enough not good enough for for because of exactly the things that you were talking about people texting and waving around in the in the lanes and just really making uh bizarre lane changes and stopping in strange places and so on so um, there there are there are low-tech solutions to these things in my field uh like that but uh the abs itself uh, for for the average guy is fantastic uh for an experienced rider it's terrifying <laughs> when you when you pull the brake on really hard and then it releases it it, it gives you a new view of life what about the what about the technology going into cars rather than motorcycles and uh the coming the coming automated vehicles uh what are what are your thoughts about how that might make riding a bike safer well i suppose that if you have if you if you if you imagine a world where all the vehicles were in communication to some degree or another uh, you know, chipped and um, the distance between the vehicles and their their relative position to you was uh, was again we could use haptics uh, to to uh, to let us know you know where where a vehicle is is approaching from on a motorcycle that's not a bad idea I suppose it is in a car too uh, I I think that that would be fantastic uh, that would that would be that would be valuable. Um, um, in a car, uh, with the well, I'm sure your car has uh, tells you if somebody's approaching in your blind spot um, with a little the little yellow triangle in the in the side view mirrors. Yeah, sure. And with the with a bike approaching on, on the side that may be even less visible to to a driver without that kind of warning system. I mean, this is it can be, I guess, very helpful. Sure, it, w it would be, and uh, uh, again, I, I suppose if you know all vehicles were in communication to some degree or another, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't even uh, depend on the uh, necessarily just on the radar. Uh, I, I don't know how you exactly how you do that. I'm not really a high tech kind of guy. Maybe there's well, I think uh, Alan can chime in here, but I think Alan, most of the time <laughs> we're talking about technology where it's not vehicle to vehicle communication. It's more that the the vehicles themselves have the ability to to sense things with sensors and see things with cameras and be more aware all the time than we humans can be. Right. Uh, well, I, I think maybe a combination of both would be would be even more effective in in, um, in many situations, especially traffic. And uh, but uh, oh, yeah, okay, well, fine. We're talking about autonomous vehicles uh, that uh, that are self-contained and have all the technology um, in operation, so that they can operate um, independent 
of, of, uh, of any other system. And, and uh, that's, the that's the direction of, of uh, most of this technology that, that uh, I see in Alan's uh, newsletter every week. Speaking of the newsletter, there, there's some stuff we want to get into from the newsletter, Alan. Uh, and there's more BMW news. They've worked with Swiss Re to develop an algorithm that takes into account driver assistance systems to help calculate insurance premiums. Yes. Well, um, I, you know, Fred, you and I have been talking about this for a long time. I've, I've said that, um, geez, I was looking to, I wanted to buy an insurance company because I wanted to do that because that's the way you can make just an enormous amount of money. Uh, right now, the way you, you know insurance is priced, it's priced on on uh, my driving history and my and what I do, and has really nothing to do with the car. Uh, but if now the car is doing the driving and I'm irrelevant, um, and and that driver, um, uh, that car doesn't doesn't text and pays attention all the time and never has an adult beverage, then of course uh, it's going to be uh, not that I ever have adult beverages, but uh, that's going to be a, a whole heck of a lot better than. Um, than, than when I drive, and therefore uh, the expected liability exposure is going to be reduced. So, so insurance. Um, you know, I was at a conference not too long ago, and the insurance person said that uh, for every dollar they take in, uh, they spend a dollar and eleven cents uh, on paying for crashes. And I'm saying, oh my goodness, what kind of business is that? Uh, <laughs> Um, is Warren Buffett really in that business? I thought he was smart, uh, but um, you know, instead of spending a buck eleven, they'd be down spending eighty-five cents or eighty-four, seventy-five, and and becoming even richer than what the insurance industry is. So it's nice to see that uh, Lee Swiss Re is is saying, "My goodness." Uh, to be ahead of the curve of the cars that are going to be sold, maybe I can go to the test track and 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 get the test results to see how the car is really going to behave out there in the traffic streams and and implications on now uh, uh, crash probabilities and everything else. And so um, you know these smart actuaries should be able to figure out. Oh my goodness, um, um, uh, we might even be able to afford the to put out a little discount and maybe even pay for the technology uh, if the people just pay the premiums and uh, we still make out like a bandit. So uh, finally, somebody's uh, actually looking at that maybe seriously. Um, but I wanted to do that. But since I'm just an academic, I'm sitting here, you know, in front of my computer, whatever. We're talking with Keith, having a good time. Well, a little, a, a little bit of, a little bit of conflicting data there that, uh, that, that you said, Alan, that if it costs a dollar eleven uh, for every dollar that they that they take in, and we also say uh, we use the words rich insurance company, somewhere in there, uh, there's a little bit of false data. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, hey, that's that's the point of my comment. Uh, you know, uh, when's the last time you talked to an insurance person? I mean, whoa. Uh, um, I don't know how they supposedly have very good actuaries that that are very good at least in in addition, and and and, and so you would think that they they'd add up the dollars correctly because you know they're making them, 
and 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 Warren Buffett, um, uh, you know, he makes it. So um, somehow there there is a little, uh, you know, who knows? But whatever. I, I think we're into the realm of lies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, but, uh, but uh, on on a serious note, really. Um, uh, in fact, in California, there there's there's a law that says that insurance premiums have to be a function of the of the driver. Uh, but that, but when that law was written, nobody thought that the driver might actually be an algorithm, and so uh, uh, there's a little bit of a problem. So just because. If you if you think uh, and and even more seriously, um, I don't know what the price of, of uh, auto insurance is in California for a 16 year old. I think in one place where I looked it up, it was like 3,500 bucks a year or something like that. And right. um, and and all of a sudden, if, if that 16 year old is basically driving uh, one of the new Volvos or something like that. Um, uh, you know, those, those, the systems that are in those cars are really pretty darn good. And now, uh, the, uh, the, um, crash probabilities for that 16 year old is not uh, what a 16 year old would be in a 55 Chevy or something, but, but in that vehicle. And so the expected liability is not 3,500 bucks, but, you know, maybe 1500 bucks, uh, you know, there might be $2,000 on the table there uh, to be able to, you know, split. Uh, let the mother who's buying the car for that 16-year-old um, keep a 1000 and uh, the insurance agent keep a 1000 I mean, what a deal. <laughs> it's, even more, it's even more for a motorcycle. I, it, yeah, you, and and I guess that that's part of uh, the point. I think uh, maybe of the of what BMW is doing and and so on. If in fact uh, you know some of this technology can can really go out there and 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 reduce crash probabilities, that that really I mean besides saving lives and so on. Uh, they probably they paid for themselves from the insurance. It's not that, in fact, you know, it's all it's almost free technology, if it works and does the right thing, which is, I guess, why we're talking with you, Keith. Let's right. run, let's run right. through a couple of other stories here, Alan. Uh, in, in Europe, Easy Mile, which has a fully electric, autonomous fifteen-passenger shuttle, is attracting a significant investment to continue its work. Well, it is. It's in, in attracting some investment, and as uh, Gilbert, uh, I'm sure, can use it. And and I think what we're seeing in 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 Europe with respect to the shuttles is that the, is that they're out there. They're gaining some experience, which is really good. And I think there's another sort of little um, uh, comment with respect to uh, uh, the Navia shuttle in uh, in Las Vegas, which uh, is um, is out there uh, getting experience. It's operating in a mixed traffic stream. It's operating in. Um, uh, existing roadways with existing drivers, so all that experience is really valuable. Um, they still have an attendant on board, of course, uh, but um, as we get more experience, it's going to be like the elevators. At some point, uh, the elevator operator disappeared, 
and uh, all of a sudden mobility is provided and it's provided so inexpensively so so that the most importantly the mobility disadvantaged out there those folks that are too poor or or don't have access to a car and, and can't get to a job can't get to a hospital certainly the the public transportation system doesn't serve them uh, would would have mobility and it would greatly improve their quality of life and and that's where all this stuff should be focused and focused on early and 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 uh, really uh, provide the provide the improvement in in quality of life to some people who who are really um, uh, have been um, have been uh, left by the wayside uh, you know all this you know uh, Keith has motorcycles. I have cars. Whatever he has cars, you have cars. You know we're we're fine. But there are a lot of folks out there that uh, basically their life could be so improved uh, with this mobility and and provide mobility that they need as opposed to uh, oh go between these two points that we happen to have a bus run. The public transportation system here in L.A. is uh, is despicable. <laughs> it really is. Well, I mean, it, there it, are it, other it, cities looking at what Las Vegas is is doing. They've carried something like thirty five thousand passengers since last November, and this is this is really in the testing phase. But other cities are looking at it because it's become popular. People like it. And and in fact, it's 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 actually could be solving a problem. I mean, you know, certainly it could give those of us that have a lot of mobility could give us hey another option. Great, wonderful. Uh, but but for these folks, you know, this is life changing. This puts food on the table so they can feed their families. I mean, this is really important, and it's it's valuable, and it's it's about time that we focus this technology on them as opposed to, let's say, the way Mercedes has been looking at it. So that you know, who knows what three guys from 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 Silicon Valley can enjoy their uh, their champagne while they're going down the 101. I mean, come on. You know, they have a limo driver already, so they need not whatever. <laughs> just, I guess, just whatever. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I, I, we and I we think love those comments, Alan. <laughs> I, I know. People, I mean, they're throwing tomatoes at me. They hate me. I, I don't care. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, um, but in fact, I think people are, are finally – it's amazing um, uh, to talk to planners and so on, uh, um, because uh, because now they're, they're they might be saying, "Oh my goodness, the thing that it's so tough for the LA uh, transit system to do is is to serve these people." In New Jersey, a, a, a pair of transit ride costs New Jersey New Jersey Transit seventy bucks a ride to offer. You know, if you happen to be you know from from you need to go from your home to a hospital or something like that, which doesn't have a a, a bus line, and 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 you need paratransit. You need some service. It's seventy bucks. Heck, they should be out there paying Lyft and Uber to do it. And if we have it, uh, the ability to do it now with without a driver, my goodness, and to share some rides so there might be two people in there instead of one, all of a sudden it becomes affordable mobility. Well, we've got some other companies okay. to talk about real quick, Alan, and uh, one of yep. them is Apple again, uh, growing its fleet of autonomous vehicles up to 70 at last report. Not a huge number, but seems to be growing pretty fast. 
yeah, what the hell are they doing, man? You know, and they don't have to tell us, but you know they're doing it. And and uh, you know, Amazon hasn't put any in California, but you got to assume Amazon's doing some stuff. You know, uh, Jeff Jeff's got to move move the goods to my front door every day. Uh, you know, he can do it in the middle of the night with these things, and you know he's doing it. It's coming. But he hasn't told anybody yet. <laughs> Automotive News says Volkswagen is trying to develop an industry-wide alliance in the self-driving vehicle space. On the surface, that sounds nice, but then the, the publication quotes an unnamed VW executive who talks about the liability benefits of having such an alliance. Right. They, they want to reduce their liability themselves, you know. And why don't they just make it so it works? Then they'll really reduce the liability, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm still not happy with Volkswagen with what they did with the, with Dieselgate. So, um, I guess whenever I read anything about Volkswagen, I, I, I guess I, I, I always read it with some questioning. But maybe I'm not being fair. I'm sorry, Volkswagen. But uh, this one seems like once again you're trying to. Uh, uh, instead of dealing with the problem, you're uh, you're trying to fake it. Well, a company called RoboSense has announced what it says is a new intelligent LiDAR system with a gaze function similar to human eyes. And they say it's a whole lot cheaper than other LiDAR. Well, it, it's coming out of China, and I, I'm, I guess I believe it. Uh, and as I as I write, uh, you know, if they give me uh, RGB at a pixel as well as D depth, and, and it's even only a, a hundred, uh, ten times uh, what a camera costs me, I'll take it. Um, but mm. uh, can they really do it? And so that's the question. And uh, well, that was a press release. I put it in there. Uh, I don't know if it's half baked or come on, man. But um, yes, absolutely. Um, and if they actually gave me V, in, in addition, in other words, velocity, in addition to red, blue, green, and depth, and gave me the velocity of that pixel, then then the AI is almost trivial. Well, there's another story that you've included in the newsletter. I-5 stretch running through the Pacific Northwest is the best route for self-driving trucks, according to an Enrix study. Yeah, well, uh, Enrix is a very good company, and, and certainly, uh, you know, their real-time traffic, uh, it's used in Copilot, and, and really it is, um, it is very good. Uh, uh, and uh, how the uh, I-5 corridor turned out to be best, uh, maybe, uh, in their objective function to be able to determine and, and rank things, uh, certainly uh, um, low density was important um, or lack of congestion, although I think their number two corridor is, is the I-95 uh, I in Florida, and I can't imagine how that becomes number two. Uh, when you have um, um, low congestion being one of the attributes of the objective function, but um, let's let let them put it on there. I, I don't know, uh, but um, uh, part of the problem is is that is that um, you need to, to take a driver out of a, a truck. Uh, you need to be able to get the truck from where it's coming from to where it's going. 
And uh, unless it's from exit to exit, um, a corridor doesn't do you much good unless you can also do the access roads uh, to and from the origins and the destinations. Uh, so um, uh, I'm not so sure. And I'm not a big fan of taking um, the driver out of, um, out of Class A trucks. Uh, I, I am a big fan of, of putting technology in there to really improve uh, the the work environment uh, of a truck driver because that's a tough job, and uh, those folks need 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 a lot of help uh, in in uh, in making their um, their workplace um, uh, much more attractive. Um, uh, that's a tough job, and I think it it sort of fits into the same thing we we were talking with Keith about. Um, of, Riding a bike uh, can be a tough job, and if you can provide some assistance to the rider, um, uh, then that's really good for for trucking for for truck drivers. I mean, um, I can't see me trying to feed my family uh, driving uh, ten hours a day and making sure that um, every second I, I I focus on the two white lines and 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 stay between them and not hit anything. Otherwise, I die. I mean, that's a tough job. And so any technology that can help them, absolutely. Uh, but um, does the technology have to go as far as, as pulling them out of the truck? I, I don't think so. First of all, uh, that truck is, is uh, moving valuable freight. Otherwise, it would be on a railroad. And, um, and because it's moving that valuable freight, it probably needs that attendant there anyway. And um, and if that person doesn't have to sit there in the boring times uh, uh, driving, uh, maybe they can do something else or they can just relax. Uh, so that should be the objective in trucking, uh, not to take the truck driver out of there. Absolutely, you've said that before. You know, uh, the, uh, I, I have a, a CDL, and I have two tractor trailers. And uh, you, you're, you're right in many uh, on many many of the points, but uh, it's funny the uh, truck driving has its has its sort of perks as well. Uh, being being out there and being responsible for eighty thousand pounds of uh, of material moving down the road, it's uh, uh, we've trained many many uh, drivers actually over the years, and uh, some uh, some assistance would be would be fantastic. Uh, for for those big trucks, especially uh, especially in, in uh, traffic situations, and uh, uh, you know, obviously they don't stop as well as a car or any or a motorcycle or anything else. But uh, uh, the the uh, kind of adaptive cru cruise control or, or intervention on the on the braking systems would be would be really good. That that plus, I think uh, you know, when you see a tractor trailer. Uh, overturned, and you see, uh, you know, uh, twenty thousand cans of Bud Light spread out all over the all over the freeway, uh, and people stopping to pick them up. Uh, you, you realize that uh, that a, a, tra a tractor trailer can can uh, go out of control, right? And right. We see, yeah. yeah and, load uh, shifts. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Lo lo load shifts uh, probably are the. Are, are the least of the causes of these things, but uh, you know, having uh, having uh, controls on the on the vehicle to to keep the alignment and uh, and to alert the drivers of uh, of situations, especially if they're if they're not on the I five, right? The I five 
from Sacramento to uh, up to Washington State is, is yeah, it's great. It's perfect. It's uh, sure. very, very low traffic up there. But uh, having having controls like that, especially on uh, on uh, uh, smaller roads, I think would be really good. And and exactly what I was talking about before, uh, taking a look at the at the, the truck, the tractor trailer, looking at the load, looking at the at the um, at, at how the vehicle is handling actually, and uh, what you know what sort of speeds that that the, the curbs that are coming up can be taken. I think this would be, this would be really good. Yeah, we're, we're in perfect agreement, Keith. Uh, this is the, 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 the driver could use an enormous amount of uh, help or, or, you know, some amount of help that would enormously improve their quality of life and their quality of work uh, in, in, that, in that work environment. And I've even said, you know, OSHA should be involved. If OSHA is worried about the workplace of certain folks, uh, why don't they look at the workplace of drivers and, and, and how, uh, and how the, that could be uh, substantially enhanced and, and in fact enhanced so much that maybe the, uh, the feds would give them another, another hour of service or something like that so that they could you know, better feed their families and be safer and live longer and uh, not take as many pills and, and so on. I mean, um, um, that's to me, that, that's where the real focus is. And I think, I think CEOs of trucking companies see it. Um, they, they don't want to get rid of the drivers either, but and they would love to have a better employee and a more a happier employee and 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 someone who an employee that's that's better able to feed their families. And it makes everybody else safer too. And then no matter what kind of vehicle you're in near the trucks, right? Absolutely. And finally, Alan. And you and you sort of eliminate the, the driver shortage because all of a sudden if it's even it's it's always as Keith mentioned it's it's a, it's a it's a very uh, you know nice uh, employment it's it's a, it's a, they're doing they're doing real good and 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 they're valuable but but not to make it even more attractive then then more people would want to do it absolutely finally alan from the always fun come on man section of your new book <laughs> is the story of Daimler and Bosch coming out with automated valet parking in China. Great. I mean, geez, let's invest in that. Let's just make sure. Uh, let's do that. And and of course, if we do that, as I put on the, in the in the newsletter, you it just reminds you of the failure uh, of of. Of uh, uh, Bueller's Day Off, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, uh, so that, uh, geez, you can't have that ballet driver taking the California out there along the streets of Chicago. I mean, my goodness, what the hell? I have to think, I mean, come on, man. Uh, is that the best thing you have to do, Daimler? Oh. <laughs> Terrific, Alan. Uh, I, 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 I can move my car. I can get out of my car and move it backwards and forwards uh, with with my little remote. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think it's great, but you know, wonderful. But I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it is definitely a whatever. <laughs> Keith, before we let you go, tell us where people can find you online to to get more of your words of wisdom. Oh, uh, and about the school. Superbikeschool.com yep. super, super is, is uh, our, our website. It's got uh, all the information and the 
in the world plus our uh, our, uh, our other branches um, uh, in uh, Europe, all over Europe and the Middle East and as far as India as well as uh, Australia, Taiwan, the Philippines, uh, China. We're, we're, we're running the school, you know, in, I think, uh, 19 countries this year. So superbikeschool.com is where they can get it and uh, take a look at some of my training inventions and uh, we have quite a quite a library of uh, of uh, the books and uh, DVDs that uh, are produced over the years that have really helped uh, millions and millions of writers uh, improve, you know, without even having to come to the school. So it's uh, it's it's a great resource for motorcycle riders. Really amazing, and and Keith Code, we really appreciate you you being here with us and and having your reunion with Alan on our podcast. Yeah, uh, Keith, uh, wonderful. It's wonderful having you on, and um, uh, you know, um, continue all the great work. Okay. Well, that's okay. It. And uh, next time I see you, we'll uh, we'll uh, pop open a couple of irons. Yep, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and jeez, uh, the Steelers finally going to win on Monday night. Damn it, whatever, who knows? And uh, and, uh, and we'll be out in California in in December, and we'll pop pop over to see you. Okay, that would be wonderful. I would All love right. to see you. Thank you. Okay. Well, Thank take you, care. Fred. Have a great day, everyone. Well, that's it for this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com. Find us on iTunes, Google, and more. My tech reports are at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.